The word of Christ is scripture. We are reminded in Romans 10:17 that faith in Christ comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ brought revelation of the word into the world. When understanding what it means for the word to dwell richly within us, the MacArthur Study Bible says that richly may be more fully rendered abundantly or extravagantly rich and dwell means to live in or to be at home. Scripture should permeate every aspect of the believer's life and control every thought, word, and deed. We are to have God's word written upon our hearts. Having it written upon our hearts draws us back to a desire to please God rather than ourselves. We learn evermore how to walk in his ways and to be replete with his spirit. We want his word to be extravagantly rich and at home in us because the Holy Spirit indwells us as believers in Christ. When the word of Christ is rich within us, we delight in the truth rather than taking offense to it. His word gives us peace in the midst of chaos and turmoil. What were to happen if our Bibles were taken from us? Would we have enough of the word of Christ dwelling richly within us that we could be comforted in persecution and trial? Could we teach and instruct others properly out of the richness from that place of habitation, so to speak? You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining me today on this podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the Word of Christ dwelling richly within us. And uh, Colossians 3 is the place that we're going to camp out for a little bit. And then we're also going to go to a particular psalm in the Old Testament that's really affiliated with this as we talk about it. But in Colossians 3, we see in general that Paul is talking to the saints and the brothers at Colossae, and he is reminding them of putting on the new self. And he makes this contrast, as you read through it, you can see that he makes this contrast, that he's reminding them first off that since they have been raised with Christ, they are to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and to set their minds on things above, not on things that are on this earth. So we're to have our minds set on Christ. We're to have our minds set on things that are about him, that are centered on God. And then he reminds them of the parallel. He makes this contrast uh, between the old self, the, the, the one that is to die, that is to be put to death, the old sinful nature that clings to and loves the sin more than it loves God. And so he's reminding them, you need to put this to death because this is not of Christ. This is not the nature that testifies of Christ. Anything that has to do with sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, all of these, these are bringing the wrath of God. That, that is what is going to bring the wrath of God. And then he also tells them, you too once, once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. You know, again, anger, malice, wrath, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and after the image of its creator. Because Christ himself and his nature... He is none of those things. There is no obscene talk that comes from him. He is not covetousness. He is not slanderous. He is not full of malice. The wrath that he has is just because he is a just God. Uh, but he is not full of the things that are sinful. And he is reminding the believers in Colossians, you need to meditate first off on the things that are in heaven. You need to set your eyes on things above where Christ is seated. 
fix your eyes on Christ. We need to fix our gaze on and our eyes on Christ whenever we're going through something. Even if we're not going through something, you know, a lot of times we tend to think or say, well, when you're going through something, that's when you need to pray. That's when you need to worship or to press into God. But really, that's a that should be part of our everyday relationship and our walk with Christ as believers in Christ. That we don't pray just when as a reactionary thing. We don't worship just as a reactionary thing. But this is part of our intimacy with God. Reading the Bible is part of our intimacy with God. I know that sometimes there tends to be more of a focus, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. There tends to be a focus sometimes on, well, I have to feel a certain way. I have to experience something in order for it to be God. If I don't, if I don't feel something or if I don't have a particular manifestation, then it can't be God. I'm not, I'm just not being intimate with God. We can tend to look down on reading the Bible as mundane. I don't want to do that because, you know, I don't want to read about all the genealogies. I don't want to, but we need to read the Bible. We, we need to be in the word daily because that's God speaking to us without question, without question. The Holy Bible is the word of God. It is God breathed. It was authored by the Holy Spirit who carried along men who wrote it. That's what Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1. The Word of God is something that we need to be meditating on daily. We need to be reading it. We need to be understanding it because it helps us to understand who God is, His nature, and the nature that we are supposed to have. Not, not that we can be God, but we are to be conformed to the image of Christ, and we are to have His nature. We are to put on Christ. And so Paul continues on in Colossians 3 to remind the saints in Colossae the nature that they are supposed to put on. In verse 10, he says, and have put on the new self. Back up to verse 9, he says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free for Christ is all and in all, which he is reiterating the fact that the gospel not only went to the Jews, but it also went to the Gentiles. And so we see that here, that's, that, that's being laid out in verse 11. So then he reminds them in verse 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So he's reminding them, he's showing them again the contrast we saw before, the old sinful nature, the old self that needs to be put to death. And that can only be put to death through salvation, through faith in Christ alone. And then as that is put to death and we're going through this sanctification and that we are freed from the power of sin because of what Christ did on the cross, then he's reminding us to put on Christ. He's reminding the the saints in Colossae to put on Christ. And he's reminding them of the nature of Christ, that he is all these things. He is compassionate. He is kind. He is humble, meek, patient, bearing with one another and forgiving. The Lord has forgiven us, so we are also to forgive, and we are to put on love. We are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We are to be thankful. And then verse 16, which is where we're going to camp out for a little bit, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
it occurred to me when I was writing this blog post that it's a very simple and kind of a dumb moment. So just hang with me. But when I was writing that blog post and I'm writing out scripture, it occurred to me, this is the word of Christ. There is no way for me to convey in my own understanding, in my own thinking, apart from the word of God, what the word of God says. This, when it's the word of Christ, the word of Christ is indeed scripture. It's the gospel. We're reminded in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or hearing by the word of Christ. Now, some of us that came from a previous background, we are going to hear that scripture and immediately that takes us back to, well, my faith is a force or it's a power or it's something that I believe in in myself. Faith is the faith in Christ. Faith in Christ to what? To save me from the wrath of God to save me and to redeem me and reconcile me back to the Father and give me eternal life. That's what Romans 10, 17, in the context, when you look at Romans 10, 17, and you read it in context, when you read verses before it and after it, you're going to see that in the context, it's talking about salvation. It's talking about the gospel. Faith in Christ, in parentheses, comes by hearing. What are, we, what are you hearing? Hearing by the word of Christ. That's the gospel. We are to, we come to faith in Christ by hearing the gospel. I encourage you, don't take my word for it. Go to Romans 10. You can even pause this podcast right now and you can go look at it. Look at, read Romans 10 and read Romans 10, 17 in context and see what it says. It's talking about salvation. It's not talking about just taking it out of context and saying, Faith in what I'm decreeing and declaring for comes by hearing. So I've got to verbally say it so I can make sure that I physically hear it with my ears. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about the gospel and it's talking about salvation in Christ and coming to saving faith in Christ. But as we see here, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, I, I think about... When God talks about even to his people in the Old Testament and he says that um, I will give you a heart of flesh for a heart of stone and I will write my word on your heart. God is doing that. And so when we are spending time in the word, then we're getting the word of God to dwell within us, to understand it better, to know what God loves and what he hates and to understand his instruction and to not despise his instruction. There's so much that goes on that that said, whether Christian or an unbeliever, that there are things that are ascribed to scripture that are a not in there or misinterpreted and or they're uh, reinterpreted to mean something else that they did not even mean because people are so offended by the truth of the word that they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that there are things that are sinful and an abomination to God. There are things that God hates. These are things that are not talked about. And so there are things in scripture that are not pleasant to hear and they are very difficult passages that does not change the fact that they are the truth and we cannot avoid them for the sake of not wanting to offend or not wanting to be offended. We have to be willing to speak the hard, difficult things in love because it would be very unloving of us to not say the truth that's found in Scripture. That would be extremely unloving and condemning to someone ultimately because we would not be sharing the truth with them because we would be not wanting to 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 lose a, a relationship or we wouldn't want to offend or make someone angry or to 
to suffer any loss in any way. That would be the opposite of having the word of Christ dwelling within us richly. We have to have the truth dwelling within us richly in order to minister and to glorify and testify of Christ to what he what he deserves and what should be ascribed to him, which is glory. Glory should be ascribed to him. We are to have this word dwelling within us richly. And I love what that study Bible that I read at the beginning talked about. It said that the word richly can also mean abundantly or extravagantly rich and to dwell means to be at home in us. I want for myself, I I can't speak for you, but you probably do feel this way. I want the word of God, the word of Christ to dwell within me richly to where I am testifying of him and there is no question to what kingdom I belong, to whom I belong, and that I am glorifying him in everything that I do, no matter what that is. Even if I'm taking care of my children every day, if I'm cooking a a meal for my husband or I'm cleaning the house or I'm out running errands and I'm talking to someone, that I want to be able, when I'm given opportunities, to testify of him in word and deed and to always glorify him. And then when I'm facing things in my life, whether good or bad, if I'm, if I'm, everything's going well, then I've not ceased in praying. I mean, the Bible even tells us as a side note to continually pray, to, to pray without ceasing. So prayer is not something that we just do when we're in need or desperation, but this is something that we understand as part of that intimacy with God, if you will, that we are praying, that we're praying for one another. We're bearing each other's burdens as believers in Christ, that we are offering up prayers to God and we're, we're seeking things on other people's behalf and we're wanting to see God minister to them in, in whatever capacity. We are worshiping God. We're praising God no matter where we are, whether we're on the mountaintop, metaphorical mountaintop or we're in the proverbial valley wherever we are in our stages of life that we are being steadfast in our faith towards God because he is steadfast and so in prayer in worship and praise in reading the Bible reading the Bible daily that's how we get the word of God to dwell within us richly and to not despise his word not to neglect his word but to get in his word and you may be saying well Dawn I really I don't like to read I'm not a reader. Well, I have good news for you, my friend. We live in a technological age right now where you don't even have to read anymore. You can listen audibly. There are audible books that you can get. And guess what? There are Bible apps. (laughs) There are Bible apps that you can get that will actually read the Bible to you in all kinds of cool different dialects and all different types of voices that you can that you can get if you have a particular preference we really have no excuse in this day and age not to have the word of Christ as believers in Christ dwelling within us richly we can audibly listen we can sit down on our lunch breaks we can take time we take so much time to do everything else that we want to do and then we say we don't have time to read the word yes we do we do have time to read the word And we need to be in the word because we need to make sure that we are understanding the instruction of the Lord properly. It is very important that that is part of our intimate walk with God, because if we don't, then we are going to be blown and tossed to and fro by word, by doctrine, by deception. We are not going to know the truth. We are not going to understand the truth. And also when we come into times that are difficult, then we are not going to know how to stand in times of trial and testing. I want to share with you a quick personal testimony just to kind of help maybe encourage you. And 
to offer some hope and encouragement for those that if you're struggling in a time right now, that the word of God is is our foundation for us to stand upon the word of Christ. The gospel, first and foremost, is is what we go to this. So this is also the word of God has instruction for us that helps us and it, it strengthens us in our faith. So last year during 2020, during the time of all the madness and the craziness that was going on in our world, one of which was the pandemic, so to speak, I was pregnant with our second child. So my pregnancy last year was was difficult. Uh, for one thing, I was considered high risk because of age, but then there were also things that happened with the pregnancy because of that that were complications to the point where I believe about 28 weeks on up until delivery, I was having to go once a week to the doctor for ultrasounds for BPPs. And also, in addition to that, I was having blood work that was having to be done at times. I was I was having to have other tests done. I was having to check my blood pressure four times a day at one point, and then I was having to check my blood sugar four times a day at one point. And then at the same time, every week I was hearing something different. Rarely, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, rarely was I hearing good news when I went. It was always something going on that could be detrimental to my health or to uh, our son's health. They were concerned about different things like preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, which none of those were an issue, but I still had to do certain things to test for parameters and such during that. They were concerned about high amniotic fluid levels. They were concerned about him turning breech consistently and the, the dangers that could happen with that if my water broke. They were concerned about the fact that I'd had a first uh, one C-section before and that they couldn't induce me again because that could bring issues. And then about 38 weeks into my pregnancy, he turned breech yet again. And they were talking about doing the manual aversion and the risk that could come with that or that it could that could lead to an emergency C-section or if I could should go ahead and just schedule the C-section. And so anyway, ended up having to have that second C-section, but ultimately everything went fine. He's a beautiful, healthy little boy full of energy and we love him to pieces. During that time at the end of the third trimester, I was so uncomfortable in my own bed. I had to sleep on the couch at night. And I remember at night sitting and there were times that I was just at a loss. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was just between the hormones raging through my system and every week having to be by myself in the doctor's office and having to hear different things and having to grapple with that and emotionally trying to work through that. Ultimately, it was coming back to the word of God that rooted me and grounded me and gave and gave me peace when there were times in, in my emotions, I felt no peace. I felt zero peace with what they were telling me. And Philippians 4, 4 through 6 was a scripture that was continuously in my times of prayer. And I don't say that in a, in a bragging way. It was a broken type prayer of many times when I prayed it in utter humility before God and just saying, God, your word says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to you. So this is what I'm doing right now. I'm asking you to strengthen me and to calm my anxious thoughts and to help me through this and to help my baby keep a, ask that you keep us healthy and that you strengthen my body to be able to endure this. And just reminding, saying the peace of God, after I prayed this way, no matter what I see, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I cannot tell you how many times I had to say that scripture over and over and over again in my prayer time. But that scripture 
is dwelling richly within me, not because, not because of dawn, not because of me. It was because of God, because his word is truth. And meditating on that scripture instead of my emotions and how I felt. And let me just say this. I'm not against emotions and I'm not against us, you know, experiencing things, quote unquote, experiencing things or in the sense of, you know, us having emotions and us exhibiting emotions. And we were given emotions for a reason. God doesn't expect us to be robots and he doesn't expect us to just shut down and have a reset, like reset button and to just go through life and not feel anything. I mean, even in the Psalms, as we'll see in just a minute, the Psalms are a beautiful, perfect picture of a believer. It's a type and shadow of a believer uh, who is crying out to the Lord, both in a rejoicing way and in a lamenting way of, oh God, I worship you and I praise you. And then a few verses later, oh, save me from this pit, God, save me from my despair. How long will you let me counsel in my soul? You know, when will you take care of my enemies? I mean, we could go on and on, but the Psalms are a perfect picture, a type and shadow of what a believer is doing when they're putting their trust in God. It's not always on the mountaintop. It, there's a lot of times that there's a, <laughs> the proverbial, I said, like I said, the valley moments. That example in and of itself is something just to, I hope, encourages someone listening that when we have the word of Christ, even if it's just a couple of verses at that moment, uh, the word of Christ dwelling richly within us, if I had just sat there and meditated on my own thoughts, I would have driven myself out of my mind. And it can be so easy to do. But when we are fixating and meditating on the word of God and we know it in context, first of all, and we know the truth of it, and we know that the gospel, the word of Christ is scripture, that it's, medit- that it's that's testifying of Christ, and that it's giving us peace, and it's giving us instruction, and it's, and it's guiding our path, like in Psalm 119. We'll read a little bit of Psalm 119 in just a minute. Not the whole thing, because that's the longest psalm in the Bible, and we don't have a whole hour, probably, to, to work our way through that. But Psalm 119, when it says, in, I think in verse 105, it says, Your word is a light to my feet, uh, a lamp to my feet, and a light to my path. His word keeps us from walking in darkness. His word gives us instruction to where we can see where to go and we're not lost. We're not just wandering around aimlessly in the dark and going, God, I know you're here, but I can't do anything. I don't know the instruction. I don't know what to do. You know what? Why we, we, we struggle sometimes in that? Not always, but sometimes we do struggle and I'm the same way. It's because we don't know what the word says because we have not taken time to sit and meditate on his word and have it dwelling richly within us. And I'm not saying that in a condemning way and I'm not saying it in a in a law type works type thing. But I'm saying we are to love the word, love the one who is the word, who is Jesus Christ. We need to be in the word of God daily for so many different reasons. If anything, to draw closer to God and know the truth so that we can glorify him in all that we do. Like what, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when we back up to verse 16, that last half of verse 16, when it says singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, I could not help but to think of Psalm 119. Psalm 119, as I said, is the longest psalm in the Bible. It's full of I have it in my one of my older Bibles, and I went through one day and, and highlighted how many times there were different things that referred to the law or the instruction or the word. Law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, rules, testimonies, the word. Uh, how many times that, that the, the psalmist said that? And it's just, it's, it's chocked full of 
focusing on that. But we can see when he's talking in, in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's in verse 11. When we have the word in us as believers in Christ, we are, when we understand the word and it's dwelling richly within us, and by the Holy Spirit as well, it's not just people are going to say, well, you're just focusing on the Word of God. You're just idolizing it. I'm not idolizing the Word of God. At the same time, we cannot neglect the Word of God. We cannot. We Just like we can't take a Sharpie and mark out things of the Bible that we don't like because they don't suit our notions or they offend our sensibilities. As believers in Christ, the entire Word is sufficient and the entire Word, the entire Word is profitable for instruction. And that does not mean that we can edit out what we like and what we don't like. It means that it's for our instruction and it's for our good to know so that we might not sin against God. When this psalmist is saying, I mean, we could learn some learn some things from this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How in the world are you going to know what is sinful against God if you don't have the word of God stored up in you? The word of Christ dwelling within you richly. How are you going to know that? How are you going to know what his nature is if you don't understand Scripture properly? If you don't take the time to read his word every day and get that in you to where you understand him and you love him more and more every day. This is part of our intimacy with God. I can't say that enough. You don't need to feel a goosebump to read the Bible. All you need to do is sit and read it and pray and ask the Holy Spirit, help me in my understanding of this. If there's a passage I'm in, it's difficult and I don't understand it. Help me in my understanding, God. Help me to draw near to your word, to draw close to you, to draw close to, to this every day so that I can glorify you in all that I do in word and deed. That I'm always glorifying and testifying of you because I love you so much, God, and I want to honor you in everything that I do in my life because you have been so gracious and merciful and kind to me that I cannot keep from glorifying and testifying of you. And in order to do that, I must know what his word says. I must have the word of Christ dwelling richly within me. And so, the, and also too, to sing psalms, to sing hymns, to sing spiritual songs that glorify and testify of Christ, that we're always giving glory where glory is due. Verse 18 says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. That's what verse 24 says. I love verse 89. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. One of the most well-known ones, as I quoted a, a few minutes ago, is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How can I know the, the path to walk down if I am not taking time every day to have the word of Christ dwelling richly within me? And what were to happen if my Bible was taken from me? I mean, that I've heard it, I, I had borrowed that from someone else. That was not my own thought. But I, it was so profound to me when I heard it. I think that was one of the things that really helped me to realize this is not just something I can take or leave. I'm a believer in Christ. This Bible, this holy Bible, this Bible is profitable for instruction, for correcting me, for rebuking me, and for training me in righteousness, helping me to understand the nature of God and to draw closer to him. This is part of our intimacy. In Psalm 119, verse 140, is, says, Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. 
think that's a great place for us to stop in Psalm 119. But again, I encourage you in your own time to read that passage. Actually, let me do one more. Psalm uh, 119 verse 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And so as we said in verse 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. We are to love his word not have a reason why we can't know what his word says and spend time with him every day in it to realize that when we're reading it it's it's helping us to understand more and more and to draw closer to God through it and in those times whether you're facing a tough time or you're facing a time that's not tough that you always have the word of Christ dwelling in you richly that you're able if you're before somebody and you're you need to know first and foremost we need to know what the gospel is and the gospel is not God loves you and he has a great plan for your life. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Christ-centered. It's not man-centered. It's not God as a side note. The gospel of Jesus Christ is Christ-centered. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. We are getting ready to come into Resurrection Sunday, whether you call it Easter or Resurrection. It's the resurrection of Christ that we celebrate. We as Christians are acknowledging that we have a risen Savior and the tomb is empty. There is no other God that can claim that. Everybody else is rotting in their tombs, but Jesus Christ is not. The gospel is Christ-centered. It is on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the promise of eternal life for those that come to saving faith in him and will repent and turn from their sins and receive salvation that only he can provide, that only he can provide through the atonement of our sins, that him taking on the wrath of God on himself and satisfying that wrath on our behalf of our sin being imputed to him and his righteousness being imputed to us. And as believers in Christ, we need to know what that gospel is. And that gospel is laid out plainly in the scripture. The gospel is not our personal testimony. Our personal testimonies are great things. They are great encouragers, but they are not the gospel. The gospel is Christ-centered. And so for the, the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, we have got to crack open our Bibles or open our apps and turn on the sound and push play and get it into us every single day, and have ourselves built up. And when we're standing before someone, and they're asking us to always, to to give them a reason for the hope that we have, then we can do so, because we know, and we have the word of Christ dwelling within us richly because of God. So I hope that this has been encouraging to you today. I hope that Uh, You will take time to read your scripture. I hope that you'll take time to test what I said and go to Romans 10 and to read that in context and also to read Psalm 119 to know what it says. So that way you might not sin against him. So that way you learn to love even the, the difficult passages of scripture because you know that God is a just and merciful God. And there are reasons why he has instructions laid out, why he has boundaries set in his word for certain things. There's a reason for that. God knows best. His ways are higher. His ways are better. We do not understand the ways of God. He does not think like we do. This is why we need to have the word of Christ dwelling richly within us. We want to glorify him in all things, whether we sing, whether we speak, whether we do anything, we want to glorify glorify him in all things. And we can surely know how to do that by dwelling richly in his word and having his word dwelling richly within us and being led by his precious Holy Spirit. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesubscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, 
current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.